Business Tech Weekly Podcast, episode number 79. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. everybody and welcome back to another episode of Business Tech Weekly. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. And my name is Andy Traub. We're here each and every week to talk tech. Talk technology that's going to help you and your small to medium-sized business to become more productive, more proficient and profitable and all the other pros. Pros. It's, it's, this is nothing but pros and no cons. How, how do you like that? that that'll that work. It's true. It's true. So Andy, you know, obviously here at Business Tech Weekly, inquiring minds want to know, Yep. how did you like reading The Hunger Games? <laughs> I, well, let me just first say, uh, I read it this weekend and I sent you, I think I, I, think I sent you a text. No, I think I sent you a tweet and I was like, no, I sent you a text message and you, I was like, I finished the book. And you're like, really? And I was like, yeah, finish the book. All right. Surprise. So, it, it, I, I like the book. I like the book, um, but I was disappointed. I thought it was like two thirds of it was great, and the last third I was just kind of disappointed in. Oh, don't tell me that because I'm 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 on the final third now. I'm getting ready to enter into part three. So don't tell me anything. I don't tell you anything. I just felt like it was really strong and fast and kept me gripped. And then it kind of I don't know. And I predicted the ending like in my head. And that's ah. never good. It's never good when you predict the ending and you're right. Because then you just like, you know, someone like hand you a book. Like if I just told you right now the ending, mm-hmm. you're like, thanks a lot, jerk. Well, I did that to myself. <laughs> well, the thing is, I have my own predictions and I'm hoping that I'm right. So, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it was fun. Though. I mean, you can't, <laughs> I did get in trouble for reading it though. Well, my family, like my whole family was sick on Saturday. So it was like me holding my son or holding my daughter or my wife was taking a nap, so I had a whole day. So the book is like 300 and some pages long, isn't it? Yeah, three, I, somebody yeah. told me 378 pages. Read it, as you pr- pr- predicted. I read it like in 24-hour period. Yep. You know, boom. Yep. And Kindle, Kindle I, mean, I read a lot faster on my Kindle than I could ever on a physical book, especially when I'm holding my daughter, you know, with the one-handed thing. So um, so I read through it pretty darn quick. Uh, it is a very quick read. It's fun. Um, and it only helped my business and then it got my mind off of business for a bit of, a bit of time, but, uh, which is exactly the reason why I recommended reading it. It it is something to, you know, just get that little bit of an escape and stuff like that. And of course it's funny that you read it in one day and, and here I am several weeks later and I'm just now on chapter 19. So I I have no idea how you can do that. (laughs) I got other things to do. I Okay. I it, it, it for me it, it's like watching it's it's see for you it was like going to see a movie. For yeah. me it's like watching my favorite drama on television and enjoying the fact that there's an entire season. Oh, okay. Yeah, totally different. Different approach. But uh, I don't regret it. It was it was a nice uh break from all the other stuff I read. So how, how about any desire to read the next two in the series any anything for you there at all? I'll tell you the most shocking thing about the whole book because I had no context for the book whatsoever. At the very end, it says "end of book one." I'm like, "Oh, I, that!" And actually, made me feel better because being semi disappointed in the ending. Uh-huh. Um, like if that was the only book they had, that that person it was a woman, right? I think yeah. She wrote anyway, yeah, Suzanne Collins book that she wrote. I'd be like, well, "That was a bummer." Yeah, could have done a lot more with that, but obviously, she will. So, yep, yep. Two more books after that one. So, well, all right. So let's, yeah, let's but, move uh, into technology, I guess. I, I just wanted to see how it was. And we made such a big deal about this in episode 78 <laughs> last week. And you made me go through the whole sales process, totally sold you on it. And I even predicted you how did. quickly you would read it. And I was right. And that's all that matters. <laughs> well, let's just wrap. That's, that's a good that's show. It. <laughs> that's the episode where Cliff was right. Cliff was right. <laughs> all right. We should do that someday. We should have like a six minute episode. How how about, I'll tell you what, to balance things out. How about I pull up some audio feedback where, where we're being told that we're wrong or, or somebody, how about, no, that's strong language. That's, that's completely inappropriate. (laughs) How about where somebody disagrees with us? Uh, Let's say they think we're wrong. It's more compelling. All right. (laughs) So let's go over to 
uh, Sean, and I'm looking for Sean's feedback right here, and I will drop it here and hit play. This comment is for Business Tech Weekly. This is Sean Roberts, and my website is seanjroberts.com. Cliff and Andy, I stopped the podcast about halfway through this week because I wanted to make a comment. What I'm hearing you guys say, at least partially, is that you can't complain too much when some of these web services go down because you're only paying a small amount for them, like five bucks for Hootsuite Premium. You're not actually paying anything for Google or Gmail. You actually are giving up something. You're just not giving them any dollars. I I disagree with that. I don't think that kind of argument or thinking works in a lot of these web services where the company is asking people to provide their sensitive business information and promoting the site as something that, that you can rely on. The argument that, it well, it's only $5 works if you were going to buy like a can of spray cheese at Piggly Wiggly. But with something like Hootsuite, businesses rely on that to implement their social media campaigns. And when Hootsuite went down, it wasn't just a matter of, of scheduling tweets. It was also about what tweets did you have scheduled? How would you figure that out? I don't know that there's even a way to back it up. What if you wanted to change a tweet? What if you decided you shouldn't have said that or something like that? There was no way to change it. And so that's why that kind of service losing it would be a big concern for, for some businesses. I think that an online business that asks for sensitive business information has to provide quality service. It's probably above equal to what you are paying. If it's $5, that's not an excuse to be offline for any substantial period of time. And anyway, that that's my two cents. Let me know what you think about it. Enjoy the podcast. All right, Sean, thank you so much. And Andy, I really, I, I mean, I, we might have to go back and, and replay the reel, but I can't remember what I said last week. I, I mean, I remember saying... What was it, you know, if you're not paying for it, then, then, you know, maybe you shouldn't be too upset. Um, you know, I'm but I'm not going to put that on you. I, I, it sounds like something I would say, but can I just say that this, the spray cheese line was killer. I, I that's, I was just thinking this would be a great title spray cheese at Pig, Piggly Wiggly. Right. right. I love that. Any props for that line? Um, you know, I, I, I do think he makes a good point. Yeah. And that. Listen, I didn't choose the price, right? Like one time I got I got upset at Hootsuite because I was having an issue with something and they were like, well, by the way, this is a free service. And I was like, and did I tell you to make it free? It was before they had a paid option. Right. And it was like, did I tell you not to ask me for money? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like a nonprofit saying, well, you know, it's okay that we didn't do that good of a job because we're a nonprofit. It's like, okay, then I just won't deal with you, you know? So I think it makes a valid point that the, the price point is not set by us that, that they, they do. And so they should have, we should have the expectation that it functions. And, uh, you know, I, and I would still say that be specific to this outage that, um, people are in the last two years, wouldn't you say still like that's been the shift to, to be online only that, uh, People are still very reliant, like on Hootsuite. They don't have a backup. They don't think of, oh, I'll go over there and do that. You know, they're not used to these long outages. In right. my, so it, it's definitely new. But I think his point is a valid one, which is price is not an excuse for for service. Yeah. Well, there are a couple things because um, again, I don't remember exactly what we said last week. Um, and and I, I may have said something like, "If you're only paying five dollars," but I, no, I totally agree. If you're paying anything for a service. There's an expectation, you know, and, and, you know, by golly, if you need more money, then charge me more money. And and if I don't feel like your service is worth that, then I won't pay for it. But man, if I am paying you anything, I expect you to be up and running. And, and of course, this is exactly the way that I was with chat roll. You know, we were using chat roll here for a while. Yeah. And, and I was paying them for, uh, you know, a monthly fee. And yeah. I think over the last year, I've paid them more than two or three hundred dollars. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I paid a yeah, wow. I paid quite a bit of money for their service and and it was down pretty consistently for about a month uh, off and on and and it always right on Thursdays when we do our live shows and I'm like this is ridiculous and no, I I won't I will not stand for this. You're you're you've lost me for lifetime. 
And, um, you know, I was very upset and moved on. And of course I gave them, I gave them plenty of chance. I told them ahead of time that, you know, Hey, can you tell me, is this under wraps or is this controlled? And they said, well, you should try our print, you know, our enterprise edition, which is 99 a month. And, and I, and it's like, dude, your, your entire servers down your entire, I can't even go to your oh, website told you to upgrade Yeah, the down outage. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm like, listen, listen, Mr. Ravenscraft, we cannot deliver on the uh, medium model, but if you upgrade to the to the the higher model, we'll we'll deliver on that one. The only the only thing I could think that th- where that makes sense is if the in- enterprise edition is where they give me the software to actually put it on my servers and run it. I mean, otherwise, I mean, when my when their service was down, they were down. I mean, their entire site, you couldn't even go in and sign up. For a new account, you couldn't even go in and cancel an account. As a matter of fact, uh, when I actually got fed up, it took me three and a half hours before I was able to pull up the site to go in and discontinue my service. Yeah. So I, that. So I. You know what? It, and it doesn't matter how much I'm paying, but if I'm paying somebody and they don't give me what I'm expecting, then yeah. I totally agree, one hundred percent with that. Now, here's the thing: Google Apps, they have a paid version. They do. All right. I am not paying them. So I will I will push back and say that if Google Apps goes down and my Gmail and my calendar are unavailable for let's say 36 hours right um I don't feel like I can complain as much because I have no guarantee that they're going to be there. Now, have they asked me to give my important sensitive information and to transact my business there and all of that stuff? Yeah, absolutely. But they've also given me the option for a paid service that actually has some, you know, you know, I, I don't know what their guaranteed uptime is or something like that. Or but they give me, you know, they would give me phone support or whatever the case. That's but, a difference because I'm a paid subscriber. So. Exactly. And so if if I'm paying for Google Apps, then I expect it to be up. I don't care if it's five dollars, fifty dollars or five hundred dollars a month. If I'm paying for it, I expect it to be there. But when it comes to services that are free, what I'm saying is that that it's not necessarily they that they are off the hook for delivering but it's in my opinion if I'm not paying for a service then my expectations should be that if there's not a good revenue source here for this company I shouldn't be putting so much uh I shouldn't be putting so much sensitive data here I shouldn't be real this is the word I was looking for I shouldn't be relying on this service yes. so much yes. so for example with Hootsuite unpaid subscriber that's me to the t i do not pay them a penny have never paid them a penny if i have scheduled tweets by golly my you know their service is down for two and a half days i'm i don't feel like i have very much to argue or complain about now for all of you people out there who are you know who are paid subscribers of hootsuite and you're paying them money it doesn't matter if it's two dollars five dollars fifteen dollars a month i don't know what they charge per month but if you're a paid service there and you're putting and scheduling all your tweets oh my gosh yes i would be livid with their service and i would be very upset with hootsuite even though it's not hootsuite that went down it was amazon their provider but the thing is, is what I understand, and here's, I, and I don't know what I said and what I didn't say last week, but what I do know about the Amazon debacle from what I heard from This Week in Tech is that the people who suffered were the people who did not choose the, the actual option to actually um, syndicate all of their data and have the redundancy upon multiple server farms. So with Amazon, that Amazon server, and I could be completely wrong. I'm only, I'm giving you this second hand, but from what I understand is that the companies that went down, there was an option if they would have paid more money, they could have had, actually had a backup and, and Amazon could have transitioned that traffic to, to the, to that redundant server or something like that. But, uh, as, but, but Amazon even came back and said, you know what? We've never made that very easy to do. It was very complex and they've come back and they apologized. They told about what's happened and they said, you know what? We're actually taking you know this tier of customers and we're actually going to be changing things to implement it so that the redundant backup and the redundancy, that this is going to be more fluid, built in, something like that. Things are going to change. But yeah, I mean, Amazon, I, Amazon was to blame, but at, at the same point, I would still be very upset with net, uh, with, um, Hootsuite, if I was paying for it, even if it was just a dollar a month. Yeah, because the the point is, you know, you can't pass the buck. 
you can't say, well, it it was an Amazon issue. Well, you decided to use Amazon, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not, it's not my fault that you had a different person to choose. So, you know, another comment was made and we can move on after this if you want, but someone in our chat said that it was something like, if you're not paying for it, you can't really complain. And I actually may have said that myself, but again, I see the fault in it. And that, that comment is, you know, we've all, we've always said on this show, uh, up to, you know, episode 79, free is never really free, right? They're, they're getting, we're giving them our information, you know, that they can mine and they can sell and things like that. So even free services aren't necessarily free. Um, so, yeah, no, I, to- I totally get where you're coming from, Sean. I appreciate you calling back and pushing yeah. back and, and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, it, it, again, the, I think the important thing for all of us, and then we will move on, is that, you know, consider where you're relying, you know, where you're putting your sensitive data, consider what services you're relying on. And when we, when it comes to dealing with the cloud, what happened with Amazon and Hootsuite and a couple other services, uh, this is, you know, the potential for things like this to happen are there all the time. And, um, no matter where you go, there's, there's no such thing as a hundred percent guarantee that everything's always going to be there. So when you are scheduling tweets and stuff like that, think about the fact that, Hey, what if tomorrow this all breaks and let it, you know, let this just be a wake up call for us that, you know, if these things are mission critical for our business, even if we're paying for a monthly service, we need to think, okay, well, what if this service just disappeared tomorrow? You know, am I losing pertinent, valuable data? You know, and, and so maybe maybe that is a some. So I mean, Sean, you you know, what did I schedule? You know, I don't even know when things were supposed to go out. Maybe there's maybe it's important if if those if those tweets are mission critical to the profitability of our business, then I suggest that we do something to to make sure that we're we're backing up what we're putting online in some way. Very cool. All right. So moving forward, we have another piece of audio feedback, and I don't know that I have an answer for this one, and I've not let you hear this ahead of time, but we're going to take Dan's call, and if we don't have an answer, we're going to ask our community to chime in uh, and, and leave us feedback. So here's Dan's question. Hey, Cliff. Dan Matson here from Arlington, Washington, uh, a.k.a. Dr. Dollar. And uh, I'm not sure if this would be a question for Business Tech Weekly or Help I Got a Mac, but uh, I recently joined an organization, and they gave me a new email account, a POP account. And uh, so since it's POP and not IMAP, uh, I've, what I've done is I've got it forwarded to my Gmail account. So that I can, uh, so that I can sync my Gmail between my different devices, which you can't do, of course, with a POP account. I've been told. Uh, anyway, but I'm experiencing some delays in forwarding to Gmail because uh, what I did is I kept my POP account online, and so I'll get an email in my POP account, and then it'll show up in Gmail maybe an hour later. And I'm wondering if that's a common thing, if you've experienced that, if maybe there's a setting in Gmail I can change to fix that. Uh, would appreciate your thoughts on that. Uh, again, Dan Matson, uh, mydrdollar.com. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye-bye. All righty. Thank you very much, Dan. And uh, I think Andy's got uh, some answer for you here. So tell us what you got, Andy. Yeah, and someone in our community chimed in as well. But when you have a POP account, it is not instantaneous. So actually, when you said you forwarded it, that's not actually true. You connected them. Uh, a, a true forward would go automatically. When you set up a POP account through your Gmail, you know, add an account and say what kind of account it is. It's POP. What it does is every 30 minutes or an hour, Gmail will go look for any new mail and then it'll bring it over. There is a Gmail lab feature you can just go to settings and labs and just do a search for POP. And it's actually going to give the, it's going to add a little uh, link to your Gmail, uh, actually all of your Gmail pages. And you can ping or you can go uh, tell Gmail to go look at your, uh, that other account or your other POP accounts. So for instance, let's, for that account, let's just say you jump on, you go, well, it's been 15 minutes since the last time I got on. So it probably hasn't gone and checked again. 
I'll force it to go check that address by clicking this button and then it'll refresh or it'll go ping. It's the kind of term I use. It'll go check for mail at that other address. But POP addresses, that's really the main difference I understand as IMAP. I mean, yes, that they're not two-way, but they also have to go check it. Um, they're not instantaneous. IMAP, as I understand it, is instantaneous. Yeah. Now, some third, some of these uh, email providers do allow you to do a genuine forward, which would be immediate. Uh, so that's something you could look into as well um, is going to the email provider and see if you can actually get into their settings and do a literal forward so that anything that hits their account immediately gets forward to a another email address that you send it on to, for example, one of your Google accounts. And, um, and oftentimes when you do that, you possibly want to make sure that you check a little box that says delete from the server once forwarded or at least move, you know, archive it or whatever the case may be. So that if you ever do log into that POP account, you don't have like 4,000 messages in your <laughs> inbox. And what I do Cliff is I actually don't create other Gmail. I don't create other email accounts anymore. I just create forwards in Bluehost. So if I have a new address, I just go in and it has an option to create a forward mm-hmm. and I have to go to my Google apps account. And the funny thing is when you go into Google apps to be able to set it up to send mail as that address, yeah. It'll say, okay, we're going to send a message to that address to confirm you own it. Yeah. It automatically goes right to your Gmail because it's a forward. It's nowhere for it to go other than its destination. So one of the simplest ways, if you're going to add other addresses, and I don't think he could do this because he probably doesn't have administrative access to that email um, you know, panel. But if you're going to create other email addresses, friends, and you have a host like Bluehost, I would just go create a forward uh, and and forward it to wherever you want it to go, and then go into Gmail and do the send mail as and so on and so forth. Yep. So there's a bunch of answers for you, Dan. And if you need uh, more help on that, I know that Andy's available for one-on-one consulting, and uh, you can find him at andytrob.com. Thank and, you. And uh, he helps people with uh, little technology glitches like this and, and working out those little fine details, and he yes. does a wonderful job at it. Thanks, Cliff. You're welcome, sir. We got feedback, man. I'm on. We're on roll. You got anything else? Hey, yeah. We actually, uh, you know, what I just realized is that there is a message uh, labeled uh, audio clip number 25, and for some reason, it's not in my thing. And wow. It looks like it came in in March, uh, so on March 16th, and it's from Drew. So, Drew, if you're out there still listening to us and not angry because I haven't played your message, yeah, uh, I just found this in my in my show prep box, and so here's Drew's question from back in March. Hey, Cliff and Andy, this is a question for Business Tech Weekly. I sent you a an email last night about a question I'm having with uh, my Gmail account. I've got a follow up to that. I've noticed also that. Well, let me give you a little more background. I have a Gmail account of my own. The Gmail account that I'm, that I'm having a question on is the one that my wife uses for our business. When I compare the two accounts, my account has uh, buttons in the left-hand side for uh, all mail, spam, and trash. And those options are missing altogether from my from the store the, the business's email account. I'm figuring that there must be a setting somewhere to be able to bring those back, but I can't find it. The other follow up to the email is that maybe this is an issue also where my my own personal signature using the uh, the business's artwork isn't showing up when she opens up the email in her own Gmail account, in the, the business's Gmail account, isn't showing up. She's using Internet Explorer. I'm using Firefox. I've opened it up in Safari. It looks fine in Safari. Um, I've opened it up in... Um, I, don't have, I don't have Chrome installed anywhere. I don't have Opera, or I don't use Opera at all. But I'm wondering if Internet Explorer could be the issue. As I've sent it off to other people, and they open it fine. My my dinky little AOL account opens up the artwork fine. I'm wondering if it has something to do with Internet Explorer. Anyway, uh, thanks for all your input and for the great show. Bye-bye. 
All right, Drew, thank you for your uh, questions there. And I think Andy is ready to go. So Andy, what do you got for him? Well, I, I definitely can answer the first part. Uh, so that, that is that you are seeing different things or you're seeing more options in your wife's personal email than you are on the left side. Those are actually all considered labels, the all mail and trash and things like that. So if you go to the left side of your business account and you, uh, there'll be a drop down by labels, uh, like an arrow, and you can click on that and it'll expand all of your labels. It'll show all of them. At the very bottom of that, you can manage your labels. You might be able to do it just by going to your settings panel as well. But uh, if you go into that and you go to manage labels uh, and you look for, you know, all mail or trash or things like that, they'll have an option to show or hide. And you just have to click show and then they'll show up by default. We talked about this a couple episodes ago as well because you can, there's another option. It's show, hide, or... Um, oh, I show if unread. Show if unread. Thank you, Cliff. Um, you're a good partner. Uh, so that's another option. Now, that may or may not be an option on the all mail or the trash, things like that. But those are all considered labels. Uh, so just go into that panel and you'll be able to choose and turn them on or off. So that's that part. The other was the signature question. And I, I'm just going to sort of default and, and give you a... a a non-conclusive answer, which is that you talked about using different browsers, things like that. Uh, I would just, I would first, if you want to test it, set it up. Don't use Y stamp or anything like that. Just use the Gmail signature uh, option uh, in the settings, which is actually on the first panel of the settings panel or first page of the settings panel. Use that one. If that doesn't work, then you may have to use a, you know, a third party plugin like a Y stamp for Firefox or something like that. But you know, you talked about a lot of different browsers and configurations, and I would just start with uh, the the native Gmail signature in one kind of browser and just try to be consistent uh, in that. And if that's not working, then maybe download Wise Stamp, which is the signature uh, add-on that I use, which would be an add-on to Firefox, and then that should work. And one of the problems with a lot of those, like Wise Stamp, for instance, Cliff, is if my wife logs into her email and I have Wise Stamp enabled. Mm-hmm. It it it's uh, it says oh here's a Gmail I'm going to add Andy's signature to it, yep. Even if, even if it's hers. So if you're if you're both using the same computer, then it's probably best to to try to avoid using that plugin. And and again, if it's not working, then you may just search for if the native Gmail's signature is not working. You may have to just Google it and and look and see if other people are having the same problem. Yeah, yeah. I haven't heard of that before. So I have not either. I've not heard of that problem at all. Yeah. The one thing I do is uh, I use Y stamp and as far as Stephanie, she uses Google apps as well, but uh, we have all Macs in the house. And of course on all of our Macs, we have multiple users. So when Stephanie's ready to log in, uh, she used fast. We used fast user switching, which probably is a help. I got a Mac tip, but uh, I will go ahead and tell you here folks. Yeah, if you I, have, if I mean, you have most show, what's it, what'd you say? So don't make me listen to another show. I want to know that tip. Okay, so here's the situation. Uh, by default, you have, let's just say, Andy, uh, you have one account. Your wife has another account. And if she wants to log in, that you know, you might think, well, I need to go in and, and log Andy out and then log me in. Well, that's not the case at all. Instead, uh, go ahead and click the Apple icon. Click on System Preferences. And that's going to pull up your system preferences menu. Then you want to look for system and accounts. Click on accounts. And then you will see, and I'm looking for it here, log on items, no password. Uh, you know what? This Actually, this one right here does not have uh, multiple accounts. I would have thought it would be under users. Uh, under did, did I not say users? What did I say? It's accounts. Set. Where's users at? It should be under system preferences and then users, I think. I don't, you know what? I think it, mine doesn't have it because I only, on my 27 inch, I'm the only user here. Yeah, yeah that's true. Okay, that's so true. do you have multiple users on yours? I don't. Okay, well, darn it. I can't do this. Anyway, right. click on click on users or whatever, or it might even be under accounts, but then you click on fast, enable fast user switching. Enable fast user switching. And when you click that option up on the right-hand side of your toolbar on the top, right next to your clock, it'll actually say your name. So if your login, my login is Cliff Ravenscraft. Well, then what I can do is I can actually click there 
and and um, I can actually switch in. You know, it'll have a drop down of all the other users, and I can choose somebody else's name. And then I click on that, and it'll ask me for that person's uh, password, and it'll keep my user open and running, and it'll nice. just switch over to that account. And then, of course, um, if if Stephanie's logged in and I'm logged in, I can actually go r- click that little drop-down menu on the up at the top and choose my name, type in my password, and it's got me right where I was when I left. Fancy. So, and of course, we've got a 21-inch iMac upstairs, and uh, right now, there's me open, Stephanie's open, Matthew, Megan, and McKenna, all five of us are open all at the same time, all the time on that one Mac. Beautiful. And every time we log, you know, log back in, the computer's right where we had it the last time we were on it. That's good. I mean, I'm, I think that's definitely a business tip if you have, if you feel like, well, maybe multiple users, you might, might want to use this computer even in an office setting. You know yeah. what I mean? on different shifts, things like that. So, well, different shifts. And then, uh, I can imagine where a Mac might be useful. Maybe, maybe you're all PCs, but you do have one Mac where people are doing scans and, and some other, you know, things. So you have one workstation that's used among many people. Um, right. yeah, absolutely. Flat, fast like, user switching is great. Yeah. Or like if you're win employee of the month award, you get to use the Mac for that month. <laughs> Very cool. I'm just saying it's an idea. There it's you a, go. That's a great incentive. <laughs> All right. So what's this Google calendar adding colors for individual right. events? I have a friend who I set up Google calendars and he was totally excited. He's got like three kids and they're, they're a typical family where all three kids have different events. He emails me two weeks ago and says, Andy, uh, is there a way to color code individual events uh, within my calendar? And I said, no. For Google calendars, you can make different colors for different calendars, which is how I've had mine. I have like five or six different calendars for different stuff. I said, but there's no way to color code individual ones. Okay. And for some reason, I'm in there, and it was like a week later, bam, comes out from Google. You can now color code individual events. Dude, I, I, I just now logged into Calendar, and I'm on settings. I never knew that they had a labs feature in Calendar. Yes, they do. What? When was this added? That's a whole other show. Stay focused. Okay, hold on. So it's, oh, I had I, like one or two labs. I, I assume this is a lab that you're talking about, right? I think it's just a straight setting. Hold on. A okay, second. no way. Because I don't, I don't see it. How do I do it? I'm on a calendar. I'm just choosing an event. I'm going to click ev- edit event details. Where do I change the color? Well, hold on there. Oh. All right, let's see here. Calendar. Did you say jerkwad? No, I said Geronimo. Oh. <laughs> I thought for sure you said, hold Bye. on, jerkwad. I'm <laughs> like, what? How about this? Ready? Hold on, jerkwad. <laughs> that clear enough? That's All right. clear enough. All right. So all I did is I went to an event, and then I went into edit details, and it has event color as one of the options. Uh, dude, I do not have that. <laughs> where is event colors at? It goes event details, where, calendar, description, attachment, you see all that stuff? Yeah, I've got all of that. Then reminders. And then show me as oh, and above, privacy. It's above reminders. No, it's not. You're <laughs> lying to me. Oh, but it is. Oh, but it is. Okay, now I'm, I'm going back to... Lab, and I'm not seeing it in the labs. It's just a straight... It's just a setting. Dude, it's not there. Dude, all right. Well, how about this? We just said dude like four times in a row. What are we like? Dude, where's my car? Okay, so here's here's the situation. Since There's this a link is in, in the show notes. What? Okay. There's a link in the show notes to their blog to the Google blog. Well, well, let's click on this and see when I'm getting it. Does it say? Click? Yeah. Crap. I've already got it. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, let's see. Here. All right. Google operating system. Out of, uh, this is unofficial news, by the way. So this isn't official. So maybe they just turned it on for you. Okay. Google Calendar does not offer support for labels, but you can now pick a color for each event. Uh, from the okay, uh, by the da, da, down a color coded events lets you use specific. Okay, Google ex- explains Google. If you want even more options, okay, but what about if it's not there? So <laughs> uh, please check this out and spread wow about time. Some, sir. Somebody wrote a note on May 10th and says, Does anyone have access to this? Because I don't. So yeah, yeah well, May 10th, it's May 12th now, so me either. I'm a paid paid user so maybe ah, see? they actually gave something to me first i know crazy. that's different see you're paying for it all right well hey b- while we're here do you mind it's if a tool honestly what'd you say i think i just want to say i think it's a great tool that you can color code 
events within your calendar. Yeah, I mean that, that's that's cool. Well, uh, for me, I'd say for I, so I can know is that a, is that a, is it what kind of meeting is it? Is it a podcast? Is it online? Is it in real life? You know, so and it's also for families. But anyway, right. love it. all right. Well, I'm gonna let's do this real quick because I've never seen this before. Let's take a look and see what these labs are in Google calendars since I never knew them. Knew sure. they were there. So the first one I've got, and of course, Andy, you've got probably got nine more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> the first one in my list is g- gentle reminders. Do yeah. you like pop-up reminders, uh, but hate how they rudely interrupt whatever you're doing? This feature replaces Google pop-ups. When you get a reminder, the title of the Google calendar window or tab will happily blink in the background uh, and you, you will hear mm-hmm. a and you will hear a pleasant sound. (laughs) Alternatively, you can choose to use the desktop notifications in Chrome. Nice. Hmm, I don't know that I want any sound, though. It's funny. It's like, it's a gentle reminder that plays a sound. Like, isn't the idea for it to be in the back? I don't know. It's like a reminder that doesn't remind you. It's funny. Hmm. All right. What's automatically declining events? Oh, well, duh. That's that's pretty... uh, so when someone requests an event and you're busy, it won't let you let them request events. All right. What's event attachments? Attach a Google document spreadsheet or presentation to your event. Right. Or upload a file from your computer. Oh, wait a second. This could be interesting. So, okay. So right now I'm putting notes. You know, like, like in the description, I'll put all kinds of notes about what I'm right. going to be talking about with my client. But if right. he sends me a Google document, instead of copying and pasting all that stuff in there, I could just download that and attach that document to the to my calendar event. Mm-hmm. That I like. And for some reason, that's automatically enabled in mine. I didn't turn that on. Um, mine is enabled. I'm just yeah, that's what I'm saying. I well, never add, heard of it. You go. Add attachment. Event flare. We need some flare. <laughs> I'm not really comfortable with that one. Yeah. Um. Yes. It, so you can add icons for flights and, you know, have a drink with someone. You can do a little drink if you have a soccer ball, so on and so forth. So I think I had that one, but it was just with the stars. You can do multiple colors of stars. Yeah. I remember doing that in Gmail. I like the multiple but colors of stars. Right. Right. Smart reschedule help, helps you reschedule an event by analyzing everyone's schedule, evaluating con. You know what? I use Tungle for that. So. Who's my one-on-one with? Having a hard time figuring out who to who is who scheduled that event called lunch on your calendar? This feature displays the attendee's name right on the calendar if it's you and one other person. Yeah, that helps. Okay. I, I have that one enabled. It helps. It's, about, what, it's less to type in. So What about year view? I, I think I might like year view. I'm going to turn this on. It says planning ahead and want to see the whole year at once. Adds the year view button to calendar. I'm going to try that. Oh, you know what? It's it's no, 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 no. Okay. Turn it, that, turn that is, off. Is it tiny? Is it tiny print? It, it, well, it's like a little tab over on the right hand side. It's like you're taking real estate, my friend. So I'm going to, let me go and turn that baby. Off. Oh, it dear it off. Okay, add gadget, any gadget by URL. Do you do this in Gmail or here? I used to have one, but I don't remember what it was. It's sort of if people want to develop one to, to plug in, but I I had one a long time ago, but I don't think I have any anymore. Gotcha. And the only gadgets I have are the ones that are sort of built in. So hmm. here's one uh, dim feature or dim future repeating events. Uh, make those event make those important one off meetings pop out. Your repeating events visually fade as you look into the future. Okay, so basically, you know, I, I don't like that idea. <laughs> that that means it's not as important because I do it every week. Yeah, so. if I, if I do it every week, it's probably pretty important that I don't want to miss it, right? Yeah, maybe there's people that have more structured lives than you and I do, where it's like the same meetings again and again. Yeah, I don't and they know. want to really get excited for the other ones. <laughs> That's what it would communicate. Like, care about this meeting, show up to those. Ooh, so. calendar background image now. Yes, I don't know if I would use that. Uh, I like I like my plain white yeah. background. It's totally distracting. Yeah, free so. or busy. See which of your friends are free or busy. Right? Who cares? All right. Share good calendars with them. So yeah, uh, I don't want people to see my free or business. That's right. That's All right. 
Angle. All right, jump to date. Uh, quickly navigate to dates in the distant future or past uh, with a drop-down menu. Eh, maybe. Uh, next a- meeting. See what's coming up next in your calendar. You I know, use that. I use that on uh, Gmail, I think. Or I thought I did, and it's not there now. I had it on at one time. Yeah, so that's on the right side. It will say next meeting. My next meeting is one hour and 12 minutes. I have to take my oh. wife to Actually, mine doesn't. It actually says, mine has the Google Calendar, and it just says tomorrow. It doesn't have anything for today. It just shows me what's going on tomorrow. Okay. And what else? Was there one other one? I think that's it. World Clock. Oh, yeah, World Clock. World Clock could be a cool little uh, thing to have on the sidebar, wouldn't it? See the start time in each time zone. So, you you know, if it's at 2 o'clock here, you can see what time it is in the other time zone. Hmm. If If you have international clients or you just can never get the math right like me so cool all right so some google labs there for calendar didn't even know they existed are the, now that's got me wondering is there google labs for docs um i don't i don't know i feel like there are always google labs for like yeah. everything google is a lab so. if there is for you that doesn't surprise me but i don't have any google labs <laughs> for my my dogs. I should just say there are to make you mad, even though there aren't. <laughs> yes, and they're amazing. Too no, funny. I, I don't have any. All right. So uh, let's see here. What's next on our list to talk about? Well, we talked about this, I think, last week was about who's going to buy Skype and Windows ended up buying Skype. Did, uh, my, the Windows. Listen to you. <laughs> Microsoft. No, I just typed Windows because uh, I'm an idiot. So uh, Microsoft bought it. Sorry, but we were complaining about Facebook and Google, right? Right, but I would give anything for Facebook or Google to buy Skype at this point. But I'm trying to. All right, somebody's gonna have to correct me, and and I'm I forget. I'm sorry, I forget this. But Facebook owns. Our Microsoft already owns part of Facebook. They probably are heavily ownership of some stock. When Microsoft owns it, Facebook can use it. Is the is the connection is what they're saying. Like they said, Facebook didn't have to buy it. Facebook can have access to it or will be connected in a way without spending the cash. You oh, know? okay. And then they, they, they said the reason that Google uh, didn't really need Skype is because they have Google Voice and they can just expand that out. Right. Which I, I never even thought of. I was like, oh yeah, I guess they have Google Voice, which yeah. isn't voice over IP completely, but they definitely have voice over IP you know, yeah, um, they're, they're kind of like voice over IP over telephone lines. Yeah, except for through Google Talk, you can, you know, you can do voice. Even though I know that's not, but like uh, the app Talkatone, do you know that app? Yeah, it uses. I think it uses Google. It uses your Google Voice number, but I think it uses Google Talk to connect to the other people. I don't know. It's it's sort of confusing the setup, but I know the initial. The initial way you set up that app, Talkatone, is you have to initiate a call using Google Talk or something like that. But So I, I think they, they have the capability. It's close enough where they thought, how is this really going to benefit? But all I know is the guys who founded that thing like literally made like $1.6 billion between the two of them. So they, yeah. they, did, they did all right. Well, here's, here's the thing. I'm logging into my old Gmail account, which is where uh, I think I have... S- Oh, you know what? I don't have a Google Voice on this one. I transferred my Google Voice over. Did Never you? mind. I was going to see if I could call you via my thing. Yeah, I think that's a thing with a normal Gmail. You can um, initiate phone calls. Yeah, but you could do it here as well in the new Gmail, right? You can do it in Gmail. You can't do it in Google Apps is my point. Oh, so that's what I meant. Now I can, there's an option for call phone. Uh, but not call another person. Well, I can call another person too. So I can call a person via uh, Google Talk or I can just click call phone. So Google Voice is is embedded or a part of woven into Gmail. But, not, not, but not in apps? No. Okay, that's what I needed to know, yeah. So so I was going to say, I was like, wow, I wonder if I can call you via voice over IP from my Google Apps account. I would, I would love it if I could use Google Voice in my Google Apps. That would make my life a lot easier. But my whole Google voice setup is just whacked because my main Google voice number is not my Google apps. Gotcha. Address. Alrighty. So, uh, let's see here. Yeah. And uh, you know what? I, I was really upset about Microsoft buying this thing, but it turns out that, uh, 
you know, they're, they're saying they're going to keep the, you know, the other platforms, uh, going, you know, iPhone apps and, uh, Mac apps and stuff like that. They're going to keep Skype going as long as the, as long as that's the case, then I'm okay. I mean, you and I are talking on Skype right now, supposedly owned by Microsoft at this moment. And, also known as Windows. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, we're still talking and, uh, and, and here, you know what, we, we've all been having a lot of fun online. Here's the cool thing that we can guarantee is that there is absolutely nothing that Microsoft can do to make the user, user interface of Skype for Mac version 5.0 any worse than it possibly is right now. Don't don't tempt them. <laughs> no, and after one of some of the, some good news on specifics on that is that I think we've got a link in the show. No, we don't have a link to that. Just it's out there everywhere. But that that they created a new business division for Skype, so they didn't like bring it into Microsoft, though it's owned by. They actually they're they're sort of creating a separate company uh, and division, and the guy who has been running Skype will continue to run it. So that's one of the concerns is when they get these companies get bought, they get sucked into this culture and and things change and processes change, but it sounds like they're going to try to keep things separate, uh, but healthy. Awesome. So, oh. Very cool. All right. And, uh, the other thing is, is, is po- folks may want to know this. Um, there has been a pretty big deal with Skype having a vulnerability with Mac computers. And, uh, they came out with an update for Skype that you all probably should upgrade to, uh, and it turns out that all prior versions were vulnerable as well. And I had, um, I had pretty much said, you know what? There's no way I'm upgrading to version five of the Mac software on my 27 inch iMac. And turns out that um, supposedly I was vulnerable with all prior with my prior version of the Skype for Mac. So I don't remember what the vulnerability was. I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember what it was. It was something. If somebody is an approved contact on your on your Skype list, they mm-hmm. could uh, they could initiate they could send you a chat message that would deliver a payload of uh, you know a malware attack to where they could actually gain root access to your computer. Wow, I better block you then. Yeah, no doubt. You better watch it because I'm going to take your system over, my friend. You're one of the few friends that actually might know how to do that. So, <laughs> so anyway, the thing is, is that, um, you know, it's only going to be people who you, who you've approved to be your friends or your contacts in Skype. Though unfortunately I have tons of people and here's the situation. All, all they need is one person who has been on their contact list, who has been, uh, you know, compromised. And then of course I would assume that once somebody has shell access to my computer, if they got into my computer, they could easily get into my Skype and control my Skype in such a way to then send a message to everybody in my list. So, I mean, this is a pretty big deal. And right. so, um, anyway, I, I just went ahead and went to Skype and got their brand new version. As long as you get 5.1.0.922 or newer, right. then you're good to go. Can't be any simpler than that. Yeah, but I did. I, I went from having the old version of Skype to the Skype Five, and man, is it bad! <laughs> and I'm not talking about audio quality or anything like that. I'm just talking about interface. User interface is the ugliest every day, which I do. Yeah. I mean, for those who don't know, Skype is my phone right? it, in my office. I, I have Skype out, so if you call my Google Voice number, it forwards to Skype. Every all, all of my phone calls I take either by cell phone or through Skype. Okay. And it is dreadful. Every single time I turn it on, I'm like, where do I do that? And that's not, that's the opposite of intuitive, by the way. <laughs> when every t- repeat users don't know how to use it, that's the opposite of intuitive. Yeah. It, the, the old version was amazing, but vulnerable to malware attack. Darn malware. Yeah. Alrighty, uh, let's see here. Some feedback from Aaron Benedict. While spot, oh, wait, that's uh, that. You know what? I'm already on. Hope I got a Mac. So let me go. Let's, hey, hey, don't forget the show, buddy. What show are we on? I can't find my notes. Yeah, that's what happens when you have 27 podcasts. I uh, hear no. That's failing. We're going to talk home. about Google laptops. Go, oh, tell me about Google laptops. Do you well, have one? Getting one? <laughs> I do not have one. Um, well, but I can tell you about them. Um, and again, we've got. Uh, um, got lots of stories out there. We've got a link in the show notes to that. But uh, my understanding is that they're creating, uh, I think there's three or four different uh, uh, versions of the, of the laptops right now. And the, the idea is that they're, they're basically 
making them so the only thing they really do or the not the only because that sounds like they're limiting but what their purpose is or function is to get on the web mm-hmm. right that's that's just what they that's what their purpose is and so they have a few different manufacturers and basically you turn it on and they say within 10 seconds you're online you're up and going and you're online and it's all based through this chrome browser and th- what's unique about this is the hardware is going to sell for, for one of them, there's there's like four or five, I think. But one of them is a sell. I think the lowest price is $350. You buy it, that's it. You own it, okay? Mm-hmm. Then they have 3G versions, which you can also purchase. And, but if you're a business, you can lease them. And there's a minimum of 10. That's something to, to consider. And it's like $28 a month. And if you're in school, it's $20 a month. And it's a three-year lease. So you're looking at, uh, instead of buying it outright, with the lease, if anything goes wrong, they replace it. Uh, but obviously, if you pay 20 bucks a year as a student, or 20 bucks a month, you're looking at 480 in your first year. No, not 480. 240 in your first year. So you're probably better off just to buy it. But anyway, that's just a Dave Ramsey talking in me. So the idea of this hardware is that it sort of gets out of the way. Uh, it's not You're not reliant on all these other programs, so on and so forth. But they're they're really trying to make this uh, attractive, Cliff, by adding other things to it, like offline, right? All these offline docs and offline uh, Gmail that they had and they took away. Yeah. Well, they're, they're back now in this, in, this, uh, in, in this hardware, in this software. Did you say $20 a month with a 36-month lease? Yes. Okay, the math there is $720. Thank you. But so you but, per year, if you pay $20 a year. I'm saying in your first year at 20 bucks a month, you don't spend in $240 in your first right. year. I mean, just, just the, anyway. The question though there is, does that include, is that the 3G model that gives you the 3G access to the web? Uh, or do you pay for the monthly fee on top of that? Uh, no, I, I think you have to pay for, for access. Yeah, you know, then yeah, it does not make sense to get that for $20 a month, folks. Yeah. At all. Uh, let me put a different... Uh, Oh, here we go. Here's a, here's a better link from Engadget. Sorry about that. I'll put it in our chat. Uh, and also in our notes, I apologize. But let me, uh, let me read through this real quick because um, it'll be a better indicator. Um, sorry. All right, there we go. It's in the chat. All right. Care about our live. So the, the thing that's unique about uh, this, and they're saying Windows is going to lose millions because they're going to lose out on the operating system. Mike, sorry. Sorry, Microsoft's going to lose millions because they're not going to have these Windows operating systems and they're not going to have, uh, you know, Office and things like that. Um, and I'm trying to look here. So the 3G for like the Samsung one's $499 and it's going to be 23. Oh, see, here's the thing. It includes data. I'm sorry. The 3G does include data. So the only 3G they have a price on is $500 um, for a consumer price. Uh, and you can buy it for 33 or 23 a month, depending if you're business or education. And you do have to do a three years, uh, and it's 100 megabytes a month of 3G data. So it does include 3G data. Okay, 100 megabytes. 100 megabytes. Very low. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not quite sure what 100 megabytes equals within. Well, tra- uh, well, let's put it this way: stream two of our podcast episodes, you're gone. Seriously, you, you go to you go, you go to gspn.tv, click play, listen to two of actually before you're finished. Well, actually, no, right after you listen to two of our our episodes that are an hour each, you've right. used up your monthly allotment just uh, to listen to two podcast episodes. What are you talking about? If I watch the live video stream? No, I'm talking about listening to the audio. Nice. Uh, let me let me just confirm. Let me confirm that. I'm gonna go right here. I'm going into. Uh, let's say, uh, well, let me see what this is. Social media serenity. Social media serenity was episode four. It was 47 minutes long today. Mm-hmm. 45.9 megabytes. Nice. Yep. I'm just saying it would still be worth it if I just got to listen to two of those episodes, but, uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, the, the link in the notes and the link I put in the chat has, has, uh, this nice table that Engadget put together that, that shows the pricing and, and minimum minimum quantities and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, anyway, anyway, okay. yeah, yep, 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 yep. Okay. I, I just think it's unique because we we're always talking about the cloud, the cloud, the cloud, 
And I think that it's it's Google saying, okay, here, this is what you get. You get the cloud. Yeah. And some offline, all right, you can do Gmail offline, things like that. But I was even just thinking for my wife or just a small laptop for home. I mean, I always hesitate paying 300 some dollars for a laptop, but I'm not going to spend $1,000 on a MacBook for my wife because she just doesn't use a computer that much. She just really wants to do email and check Facebook. Yeah. And so it's a really light option and really, you know, there's not other things that can go wrong with it. But I wanted to lead into our next um, topic, which is about solid state drives, because you know a lot more about them than I do. Well, uh, one of the things I will say real quickly is is that I have a computer that runs on a solid state drive, my MacBook Air. And when you talk about, you know, this whole brand new thing that Google's coming out with that they tout, you know, you're going to open this thing up and in 10 seconds you're browsing the web. Well, guess what? I already live in that world. I'm there already. I, I live in the now. Where you been? Exactly. And I've had this thing for a couple months now. And so, I, yeah, this my MacBook is upstairs right now. It's been closed since uh, 6 o'clock this morning because mm-hmm. that's when I finished uh, reading, you know, doing some stuff on it upstairs. If I go upstairs right now and I open that MacBook Air, it'd probably take about seven seconds and I could start looking something up on the web. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, yeah. So, and and a part of that is because of solid state drives. Solid state drives. Obviously, the difference is, um, you know, you have normal hard drives, which uh, you basically have two metal platters that that spin, and um, you've got one, you know, this reading head that actually will search for information in different locations, and it has to actually go and f- move the the reader head to a certain location to find the data that you're looking for. And it's all, it's got moving parts inside and all this other stuff. And so it slows down the process of reading and writing data. Mm -hmm. And uh, SSD, it's all solid state. There are no moving parts. There's no, you know, searching for data. It's just like, it's like almost instant call, recall. And, um, and, and so solid state drives are just a ton faster uh, and in fact, I think the brand new 27 inch iMac that you can get from Apple, I think you can pay $500 and you can actually make a, I think it's a 250 gigabyte hard drive, your, uh, your standard yeah. main drive. They ain't cheap though. And that's what this article is about that I linked to is that the, they say the price because the, the demand is going to go up so much that the price is supposed to go down about 30%. I mean, that's the biggest gap, I think between people owning these and not owning them right now is this price. I mean, there's no doubt it's better. There's less moving parts. And, you know, to my knowledge, if you drop a SSD, it doesn't affect it because there's nothing moving, right? Right. Yeah. And now again, how often do you drop your computers? I don't drop my computer very often, but it only takes one time uh, that you drop it that those little disks spinning at a very rapid pace are going to likely um, get busted, yeah. you know? And well, and when, especially when we're talking laptops, you don't even need to drop it to to really mess up those spinning drives, right? So I mean, you, you can. I don't know about you. If have you ever hold, held your laptop and you kind of trip over something, and all of a sudden you're you, oh, sa- you save it. That's 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 the end of the story for me. I got little kids, and you know, I'm always freaking out that they're gonna, you know. And then, I mean, that's the difference with the with the iPad. They drop it, and it's like it's in the case, and it's gonna be okay, and you know. But yeah, with a with a, I guess my my the reason I want to bring this up is because I feel like solid state drives aren't not and they're not just the future they're now. But I wonder if in two years or even a year, uh, you know, those moving hard drives are going to be um, maybe a thing of the past. Right. Yeah, I, I, it's very well could be. Uh, very well could be. I think I think that as the you know and and actually, I think the price should go down. As more and more get adopted, because I think they'll become more mass produced and and stuff like that. So I, I think solid state drives are probably going to drop in price. And, and the same thing happened with flash memory, which is solid state drives. It's, mm-hmm. it's solid state memory right. as well. Yeah. I remember, gosh, I remember when we were all so excited that there was a four gigabyte or an eight, <laughs> no, an eight gigabyte USB flash drive. You got to be kidding me! And it was like you know nine hundred dollars. <laughs> And I can go out and get a eight gigabyte uh, flash drive for for ten bucks right now. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. they're diamonds. So I mean, I mean, why, why? You know, just just give me a give me a computer with you know thirty eight um, 38, 38 USB ports, and I'll just put, plug in thirty eight 
eight gig USB drives, and that'll be my that'll be my hard drive for the system. What do you think? <laughs> Sounds like a plan, man. So I'll put a sh- I'll put a, another link in the show notes to uh, a comparison, actually, of a MacBook Air and a new Chromebook. So um, yeah, so I, it'll it, you know try to match those up because again, I think you're talking about the SSD. So yeah. Hey, I just want to let people know, um, I had a pretty big announcement that just came out this week. Um, If you go to podcastanswerman.com or gspn.tv on the right-hand side, you'll see a big thing that says, I'm speaking at Blog World World and New Media Expo 2011. And uh, this is pretty exciting news for me. It is my industry's leading conference. And I was invited at the very last minute to come and share... Uh, as a speaker, the story of gspn.tv and how we went from uh, podcasting as a hobby about a TV show into a pretty profitable business here. And uh, it is Blog World East and it is happening in 12 days from today, which today is Thursday, March 12th. And if you happen to be in the New York area and you want to go, New York City area, and you want to go to this event, you can get 20% off of the registration if you use the uh, discount code CLIFFVIP, C-L-I-F-F-V-I-P. That'll get you 20% off. Or if you either are coming or can't afford to come, but you want to hang out, I am actually going to fly to New York a day early and I'm hosting a gspn.tv podcast answer man business tech weekly everything we do meet up with our community on sun, on Monday May 23rd so uh, it starts in the evening I've got uh, information over there on that same blog post at podcastanswerman.com so just go to our, any of our sites and look for I'm speaking at blog world and new media expo congratulations on being an overnight success <laughs> Thanks, Andy. Hey, man, everybody, thank you for tuning in and uh, go over to andytraub.com slash learn.